When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to Win in Romance, your favorite place to go for romance. And I'm your favorite Jess. Okay, maybe not your favorite Jess, but I'm Jess. You are my favorite Jess. Oh, thanks, Trisha. And I am uh, probably someone's favorite Trisha. You're my, my favorite Trisha. Well, thank you. Um, and if you have other friends or family members with the same name, I won't be offended. Yeah, yeah. If if you're a Jess, I'm probably not your favorite Jess, but we'll get over that. Um, there are. Um, there's always been an inside joke at Book Riot that there are so many Jesses and Jessicas. There are. There are a lot. We were having a rivalry for a while with, I think, Rachel's. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure the Jesses have pulled ahead. I think we have, but I can't yeah. guarantee that. So if you're a Rachel listening... You got to let us know. Anyway. (laughs) Anyway, welcome to our 18th episode. 18th episode. How awesome is that? Our podcast is officially old enough to, uh, in the United States, um, I guess, uh, buy pornography or cigarettes. And vote. And vote. Uh, So that's probably the most important one. Yeah. When in Romance podcast can now vote. All right. So that's great. That is great. Uh, so we have a bunch of exciting things happening today, but before we jump into them, should we jump into an exciting sponsor post? We should. Or a sponsor, sponsor post. <laughs> oh man. All right. It's, uh, it's late. It's latish here in the district of Columbia. Okay. So speaking of voting, um, <laughs> so our first sponsor today is Vampires Like It Hot by Lindsay Sands. Cause of course they do. Of course they do. Um, Oh my gosh, speaking of favorite Jesses, <laughs> vampires are real. Jess would have never believed it until she saw them with her own eyes. She knows she has to get off the island she's on, and her gallant rescuer has offered to help. There's something about Raphael uh, and his uh, that's unlike any man she's ever met, and his touch sends pleasure through her that is beyond all imagining. Mm. But when Jess discovers who he really is, will she risk life as she knows it for a chance of forever by his side? Well... I don't know, Jess, will she? I think she will. I have a feeling that she will also, but you are more (laughs) of the authority on Jess' behavior than I am. Uh, New York Times bestselling author Lindsay Sands brings the heat in the newest Arjunu novel as one woman is rescued by an irresistible immortal. A Caribbean paradise is infested by vicious vampire pirates, exclamation point. And I feel like the exclamation point there is actually very important because that's a lot. Jess's only option is to jump into shark-infested water. This is, it feels like like my worst nightmare slash choose-your-own-adventure novel. Mine too. Uh, right? Yeah. yeah. Luckily, Raphael Note is there to pull her to safety. It's a perfect paranormal romance for anyone looking to extend the feeling of summer, but also this feels like a good transition into fall, right? Yeah. Like into some vampires, some shark-infested water. So, yeah. Uh, and also those who love funny and witty romances. So you can find the link for this book in uh, the show notes, and you should find the link for it, if, even if just to see the cover of this one. It is 
quite something. Uh, our good friend uh, Raphael the Vampire is worth checking out uh, for <laughs> Jess's, Trisha's, and When in Romance listeners of all names all and names. types. Yeah. Uh, so thank you again to Vampires Like It Hot by Lindsay Sands for sponsoring the lucky number 18 episode of When in Romance. Yes, thank you. And you know what? I just took the quiz on Book Riot for what vampire my soulmate is. Oh my gosh. I didn't even know that was a thing. I'm going to have to go find it. It's lots of fun. And my soulmate is actually the Brides of Dracula. All three of them. Wow. Yeah, I was like, I'm down. That's, yeah. That's perfect. Do you know for what me. the other options were? I, I haven't taken this quiz. You know, I'm I don't know what the other options were, but I I could probably take a few guesses based on the themes of the answers. All I, right. I would bet at least one of those options is Edward Cullen because you can't have sure. a quiz without scoring Edward Cullen at some point. Obviously. Um, maybe actual Dracula. Um, I wonder if the ones from... Uh, I, the book series was not called True Blood, but the TV series was True Blood. The Charlene Harris... Um, the Southern, Southern Vampire, Vampire Mysteries. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I wonder. I wonder. Yeah. Bill and Eric. Mm-hmm. Um, well, many thanks to... I'm, I'm actually Googling it as we're talking about it. Many thanks to Mary Kay McBriar for finding that for us. <laughs> Might have to stick that in the show notes also. Oh, and actually... You can uh, find the cover to Vampires Like It Hot in that quiz as well. So many thanks to, again, Lindsay Sands for providing all of the vampires and all of the cover eye candy for us. So much eye candy. Hmm. Well done. I'll have to take the quiz. I'll let you know how mine turns out too, Jess. I'm looking forward to hearing. Excellent. Um, All right. Well, speaking of fun, uh, cool books that we're excited about... Should we talk a little book club news? We should. Let's, let's, let's. So as you might recall, we announced that our first official book club pick was going to be Butterfly Swords by Jeannie Lin. It's the first book in her Tang Dynasty series. And I was really excited to read it in part because I've been meaning to read it for ages. And also because, you know, when do you get historical romance set in the Tang Dynasty. Like, how awesome is that, Trisha? It's an excellent question, and it was very awesome. Actually, that was one of the things I was thinking about a lot when we were when I was reading this book. <laughs> um, so I don't so we were gonna so we're gonna do our full conversation about it in two weeks. But in the meantime, we were gonna start uh, planting some seeds of thoughts about the book um, in this episode so that people could either think about it now if they have already read it or have some things to keep in mind if they are still working their way through. Uh, did you have observations you wanted to start with, Jess, or you want me to kick off with some of mine? Why don't you kick off with some of yours? Well, all right. Um, I think one of the things that you mentioned already that was interesting is that this is a historical romance. And so um, it is, but I think so often when we think of historical romances, we think of a very specific part of the world uh, that happens to be islands that are British. Um, (laughs) And when we think of royalty, we tend to think of, well, I guess not royal, but like dukes and and princes and frankly, English royalty and peerage and whatnot. Yeah. Um, And so this was a different take. And so one of the things that I was thinking a lot about and that I think we'll probably end up talking a little bit about is the way that, um, you know, that Lynn was able to kind of twist some of the things 
that um, are traditionally romance, either tropes or subgenres, mm-hmm. um, and make them very uniquely different. Another one is that, in a lot of ways, this is absolutely a road trip romance. It is. But I'm so excited not about that. in a way. Yeah, not in a way that you would traditionally think of. Um, so I think we'll talk maybe a little bit about that too. Um, the uh, another thing, well, and part sort of related to that. She does a really good job of so much of the focus in this book is on the two main characters Mm -hmm. and we don't see a lot of the supporting characters. And I think that that's a thing you you see most of them once and for a very brief period of time. Mm -hmm. And I think that that can be a thing that's really difficult to pull off. And so I'll be interested to talk a little bit more about that. And then I think culturally she does a really interesting thing in that, um, the heroine is, you know, of the dynasty, and she's a she's a princess, and she's, uh, you know, she's a, this Chinese princess. And the hero, they keep calling him a barbarian. He's from the West. He's blonde. He's blue eyed, and it sets up this sort of cultural divide mm-hmm. um, that I also thought was really interesting because there are these themes of family and loyalty and honor that he fully admits that he doesn't understand the way that she talks about them. And partly it's because his culture is different, partly because he does not have family in the way that she does. Mm -hmm. And I thought that that was, he was a really good stand in, in that way for, for me as a reader, because I, as much as I love my family and as much as I value loyalty, there were things that the heroine does in this book that we'll talk more about that I just could not relate to mm-hmm. but the way that the author the way that Jenny Lynn is able to still make me understand why she does them I thought was really nimble mm-hmm. and I think the way that some of those decisions and the way that some of that conflict kind of pays off and gets resolved in the end um, is really interesting too and wouldn't have happened if some of that cultural tension hadn't been set up in the way that it is. Absolutely. Yeah. And to sort of go off your um, initial thing about like what we think of when we think of historical romance, um, what this really felt like as a parallel for me is sort of the way that um, American film Westerns were kind of like, inspired by like kurosawa film (laughs) and that's interesting so the same way that like in a western of any kind film or um book form even some romance westerns like a couple of beverly jenkins's books or any of those Mm -hmm. you've got kind of like the stranger showing up to help and then the stranger's journey and then, you know, in the in the movie or the book, he might die or ride off into the sunset after his noble action. And you you know this is a romance and therefore that shouldn't happen. But there's still this sort of tension about whether that is going to happen. Um, even if you know that this is not the same style of story you just got that same feeling about some of the things that happen towards the end where it's like uh, I'm so tense and I like what's gonna happen next and all of these kinds of like standoffs good versus evil 
um, East, Eastern versus Western um, warlord versus um, lone rider, basically, kind of thing. Yeah. And there is, a, yeah, there's a lot of tension. There's a lot of gray area. Um, I think, yeah, and this is, uh, it was interesting because this is one of those books where right up until I was actually looking as I was finishing it, you were at like probably 97% in this book before you knew how, because, you know, it's a romance. They're going to get to a happy ever after, but you're, you're in your last final pages before you figure (laughs) out how they're going to pull that off. Yeah. Um, so it was, yeah, it was, um, yeah, I really liked it. I'm, I'm excited to talk more about it in a couple of weeks. Um, so, uh, we are interested in hearing what all of you are thinking. Um, and so if you have thoughts, feel free to let us know in the meantime. Um, I didn't mean to cut you off, Jess. Were there other observations that you wanted to make in the meantime before we, we dig all in in a couple of weeks? No, that was the big one. And I, I really want to hear what our listeners um, feel about about either of our observations or like something com- like completely that we didn't even think about or that I might have just missed in my reading because I was devouring it so, so hard. <laughs> yeah, no. And I know we know you're reading it. We've seen it on Twitter and Instagram and we are excited. Feel free to keep sharing those um, photos and tagging us. We're, we're excited to see them. We're, we're using the when in romance hashtag. Um, uh, but yeah, if you have thoughts or observations that you are interested in sharing with us that you want to hear us talk a little bit more about when we talk about it. Um, once again, we record uh, the next episode. So we'll record our discussion on October 4th. So of course, feel free to share thoughts even, you know, after that, feel free to share them forever. But, (laughs) um, you know, if you're interested in kind of being a part of the discussion in that way, uh, tweet us, Instagram us, you know, uh, we, as always, we'll, we'll share the information for how to do that at the end of the episode, or it's in the show notes. Now, if you just can't wait for another, you know, 20 or 30 minutes to share your thoughts with us. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, we're excited about it. It was, yeah, it was a great book. I, now that I know it's a series, I am uh, interested to figure out who comes next and how that goes and what happens. And I don't know, I'm sure we'll talk more about that too. Absolutely. Yeah. Actually the first Jenny, Jenny Lynn book I, um, ever read was My Fair Concubine because my friend had read it and knew that I loved anything even closely related to musicals of any sort and therefore if sure. something was based on my fair lady slash pygmalion i was gonna pick mm-hmm. it up uh, <laughs> yep mostly my fair lady because like pygmalion had the correct ending but it's not quite as happy oh <laughs> oh well oh well <laughs> yeah i mean is there a romance novel based on oklahoma i always kind of like that one you know there might be i haven't read it but you know cowboys falling that's in love. true yeah there has to be of all the cowboy romances there has to be one that is based on oklahoma that's a very good point there has to be um all right so we are excited to hear let us know what you're thinking and we will have that conversation in a couple of weeks excellent uh and in the meantime we were going to talk about a few kind of um hot topic news things the thing that we 
found is that there's a, a handful of small to medium-sized things going on in the romance world and nothing big and huge and major that warrants a big, long, epic conversation. So what Jess and I were going to do is have a kind of almost buzzer-style round. Uh, <laughs> I'll, uh, we uh, both have seen um, a show called Pardon the Interruption on ESPN where they spend three or four minutes on a topic at the beginning and then the buzzer sounds and you got to move on, although neither uh, a host is very good at moving on on that show. But we'll, no. be, we'll be better out of here. Yes. Um, and so we've got about five topics that we're going to kind of work our way through. We'll probably take a break after one or two of them and do another ad spot, mm-hmm. which is also very exciting. Um, and then maybe we'll talk about what we've been reading. Absolutely. Sounds great. All right. Do you, should I actually set a timer, Jess? Mm. Are we feeling ambitious? Let's do it. All right. I, uh, I'll do it. Okay. I'm going to, we're going to, oh, now four seconds probably won't be enough time. <laughs> one, two, three, All four. Right. End. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Do you think four minutes is enough time to talk about uh, the Vice uh, romance book cover controversy? You know what? We're going to talk about it in four minutes and never discuss it again. And then never discuss it again. All right. Ready? Go. Tell the people what happened with the Vice book cover controversy. So, uh, Vice, Vice, guys, what are you doing? And it's not even guys. This particular article was written... Um, a few days ago by a woman who writes for Vice, and it was a showcase of a photographer who decided to take the traditional, I'm using the quotations of my fingers, romance novels and update them to be more inclusive. And you might, you might understand already why this is something that we felt the need to talk about. A, it's it it just takes its random photos of people in the style of like a Joanna Lindsay novel from 1994. Okay, that's great. The author herself of the article mentions Fabio. So like, if you are a current reader of romance, you know that that is a thing that hints at someone who either hasn't picked up a book in a while. Or just sort of knows the touchstone concepts of romance novels, right? Right. Um, And, you know, well, I mean, the covers are pretty, but guess what? There are romances with those people in them with covers like that. Also, there are romance authors who would love those kinds of covers for their their own books. But did this off this photographer decide I'm going to find a romance novel and photograph a cover for it or make stock imagery for people who actually need them? No. I'm going to stand from afar looking upon a genre that is already looked down upon for all the wrong reasons and I am going to just sort of pretend that I am on their side. Yeah. And I think that was the thing that people, it's, uh, it's one of those many things that happens regularly in romance where somebody who doesn't know about it decides to come in. And now I am using the air quotes, save 
romance from itself. <laughs> and, and you use Joanna Lindsay for a reason, the author, um, who actually, I guess, is a photo editor at Vice. Uh, I clicked through to read her bio to see if she had ever written anything about romance before, ever. Uh, I couldn't find anything. Uh, and she mentioned that, you know, she had always had this vision of her, these 90s books in her head. And so that's why it did, as Jess mentioned, sort of blow up on Twitter in particular because everyone who knows anything about romance novels now, uh, who has been discussed and talked about and well-respected by this podcast, um, was kind of saying it, it's just such an erasure of the um, authors and photographers and cover models who are working really hard to be inclusive of same-sex couples and of um, interracial couples or black or Latino or Latinx couples um, and, you know, of, of any race. It, I, I try not to use the term non-white because I know that centers those of us who are white. So, <laughs> uh, but just to generally be more inclusive. And so, I don't know, <laughs> Alyssa Cole's uh, own sarcastic response to this was, thank you, brave vice writer, for single-handedly making romance more inclusive. <laughs> um, so... Many thanks to uh, Alyssa Cole and all of the other folks who um, were helping out on this one. Absolutely. So I wouldn't have minded that kind of post if it was if it was doing the things that we we were talking about. If it had if either. Oh, the, that's our timer, Jess. Oh but no. But you're allowed to finish your sentence. All a PTI. Oh, thanks. I I feel very much like one of the ESPN guys. Um, mm-hmm. If. If they had just, you know, done some research, reached out to authors who are writing marginalized people, anything like that, I would have welcomed that article. Yeah, and I think you made the point that you made is a good one too. There's a way to help with this issue because it's not like every book or every cover or every anything is as inclusive as it should be, but there's a way to help address that problem without being sort of a pretentious, too good for everyone, ignorant, frankly, um, you know, taking that stance on things. So absolutely perfect. And now we never have to speak of it again. Never. Yay. Done. All right. Should we let's speak of happier news, happier news from uh, let's speak of happier news from the ripped bodice, the ripped bodice. B. Okay, wait, I'll, I'll let you start the timer. Okay, timer started. Okay, B and Leah Cooked um, announced, well, various outlets announced that B and Leah Cook had made a general development deal with Sony Pictures. And I think it's going to be on the television side, um, which is exciting in itself, but they are going to be um, doing what, from what it seems like in the information that we've gathered, um, maybe some production and definitely some uh, concept pulling together. I don't know what the best word for that is, but I'm sure you all do. Development? Is that development? Development. I even said the word development earlier. Um, Some concept development for some romance content. So I'm really looking forward to that because, I mean, if there's anybody who is who has expertise in this it's the people who did a kickstarter to start the country's first all romance bookstore 
Right. <laughs> and that is, yeah. I mean, I think, um, and one of the things that, so like Jess said, the Rift Bodice, if, for those who, this is your first episode of When in Romance, uh, <laughs> the Rift Bodice is in California, um, as uh, Jeff actually pointed out in the Book Riot podcast this week, just down the street from Sony Pictures, mm-hmm. um, a few blocks down the street from the Sony lot. Uh, and it is an all romance bookstore, Leah and B are great, and they have been huge presence in the romance genre since they started their store a couple of years ago. And one of the quotes in the article that we'll link to is um, from Lauren Stein, who's the EVP of drama development, executive vice president, I guess. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. That sounds right. But she talks about, yeah, right? Good for us, knowing all the things about television (laughs) or movies or development. Um, But she talks about how when they met with Leah and B, um, they have a focus on voices of women in diversity. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't, you know, necessarily, it's, it's easy to say those things. You have to actually put something behind them. But the fact that she does seem to be focused, um, this EVP on women in diversity, um, it's, that says something, right? That there's, hopefully that that will be reflected in the work that they do with Sony. It's hard to imagine that um, people who are so focused on inclusion and feminism and romance um, as Leah and B are uh, would not have a, a major focus. Right. Um, their state of diversity and romance publishing report has become just in two years, a huge, huge presence um, in the romance world. And I think, I don't know, I'm, I'm optimistic I am too. I'm looking forward to seeing what comes of it, um, which, you know, is probably a couple of years down the line, because when you sign a development deal, you have to actually start doing something. Um, right. So see, we know so much about TV, <laughs> but you know, like that, that set the ball rolling and goodness knows we need um, women and people from diverse backgrounds on both sides of the screen. So like, I'm looking forward to seeing what comes of that. Yeah, and also Rebecca Weatherspoon is always in their store on like Instagram and I know. And stuff. So I'm kind of hoping that something from that connection also, you know, leads into this development deal. I'm not going to tell Sony how to do their job, but as discussed, we know a lot about TV, obviously. So. We do, we do. And you know what would make a really good TV series? Beards and Bondage. I mean, just listen to that. I mean, I wouldn't mean, it though? Wouldn't it though? Also, I'm not sure. I think it's Bia, but one of them in this picture that we're going to post to. Oh, now that's the timer. It's on me. But her lipstick game is on point. So check that out, everybody. That is important. Um, All right. The timer has spoken. Should we talk about, before we jump into, ooh, we can transition into other movies about romance. But before we do, do you want to do our other ad spot? Let's do that before we get completely distracted by things. Um, oh, what? Us? That doesn't sound like us, Jess. No, not at all. So, um, this episode of When in Romance is sponsored by The Cost of Betrayal, three romantic suspense novellas by D. Henderson, Danny Petrie, or Petrie, I'm sorry, whichever is correct, and Lynette Eason. And these are... Um, by three best-selling Christian romantic suspense authors who've teamed up in this intense novella collection um, to bring together stories brimming with romance, murder, and deadly betrayal. And 
Um, let's see. In Henderson's Betrayed, a woman cleared of a murder she didn't commit faces another deadly betrayal. Oi. Um, just, like, you, you've just gotten out of something and somebody else betrays you? That's just terrible. That's very stressful. And then in Petri's Deadly Isle, a couple is trapped on an island with a murderer. Oh, fun. So fun. Yikes. Um, and in Eason's Code of Ethics, two people must outrun the killers hunting them. So these are some serious stakes happening with the couples in these books. And, you know, it's romance, so all ends well. But I have a feeling these books are going to stress me out. And they're novellas, so it's going to be brief, intense stress before a nice sigh of release. Um, Which is nice. It is. And the the tagline for this um, collection is, Faith will be tested, trust shattered. So there's some there's going to be some deep stuff in these books, and just be prepared to whew, breathe and sigh. Yeah. yeah. So once once again, thank you to the cost of betrayal, three romantic suspense novel novellas novellas they are novellas um, by D Henderson, Danny Petrie, and Lynette Eason. I was thinking too, like that one of my favorite things about novellas is that they are really good for trying a thing out. So if you're interested in trying mm. romantic suspense or you're interested in trying um, Christian romance or both, in fact, yeah, both, then this is a good fit in that way because you have the opera. Maybe this is just the commitment phobic person in me, but if you are interested in just <laughs> trying out a thing, then you have the opportunity to... Uh, you know, dabble a little bit, see what's a good fit for you, see what you like, and then go from there. Absolutely. And since this is a collection of novellas, you have three authors to discover, and you can Mm -hmm. see if you like their work enough to find more. Yeah. I'm actually going um, to see my... Uh, my my nephew is getting baptized next month, and so he's only 10 months old, so this probably isn't going to be a great gift for him. But... (laughs) My uh, sister is more than 10 months old, so maybe I will uh, bring her a copy, or her husband. Maybe I'll bring them both a copy, and they can read the Christian romantic suspense, um, you know, while they're up in the middle of the night with my 10-month-old nephew. I mean, that's a good place to do it, unless, you know, it gets really dark, and it's also dark, and whatever they want to do. I know some people have those preferences. It's true. It does get dark and scary where they live. So that's true. All right. Good tip, Jess. Good tip. I will definitely consult with you before I buy anyone any scary books. Absolutely. Especially since I'm a total wuss and tend not to tell people to do that in most situations or just, you know, read it during the day when the sun is out and it is 80 degrees and that is the only time. I mean, I think that's perfect. You can read The Cost of Betrayal during the day, and in the evenings, you can watch a rom-com. You can watch a rom-com. And in fact, right now, you can watch, it seems like, not more rom-coms than ever, but some of the highest quality rom-coms out there. Do you, so here is the theory that, that maybe is floating around a little bit. Jessica Pride, is there a resurgence in romantic comedies at, 
in theater slash Netflix? And if so, is it because of books? I would like to think so. And I I know what you're going to say, listeners. Causation does not equal connection. No, that's not right. No, correlation does not equal causation. I knew it was two C words. Yeah. C, yeah. I need to have more there. T. Um, correlation does not equal causation. Um, and But we can definitely see that people are finding amazing books and turning them into amazing movies, more so than they were over the past decade when... I had to go get my thrills, delights, smiles, tears, and feels from Marvel movies, which I still do. I mean, I've watched the Captain Marvel trailer like six times already, and every time I'm just like, ah! Um, But... But it's nice to have options. Romantic comedies have the whole romance arc, happy ending, definite happy ending, complete happy ending with the potential of sequels. (laughs) It's true. And so the two specifically that have been very big right now are Crazy Rich Asians, which is, um, oh gosh, I should have looked up the authors before we did this, inspired by a book by, is it? Kevin Kwan. Kevin Kwan, okay. (laughs) And then To All the Boys I've Loved Before, which was written by... Oh gosh, now I've got Jeannie Lin's name in my head, and that is not right, because Jeannie Lin did not write To All the Boys I've Loved Before. No. What is her name? Uh, so we will Google it. And actually, so that's the one that, to be honest, I haven't seen yet because <gasps> I paused. So I paused my Netflix membership. And so I didn't, I don't know. Jenny Han. Jenny, Jenny Han. Han. Oh, yeah. And that's a whole series. Like both of them are series mm-hmm. um, or at least trilogies. And so there's a lot of potential here. The love for both of these movies, to all the boys I've loved before, it was uh, went straight to Netflix, um, but has been absolutely hugely wildly popular Mm -hmm. um crazy rich asians made all of the money it was at the top of the box office it it like beat out all of these i don't know probably ridiculous movies that were the same as the movies that played out before um like people are super excited about both of these movies the people in them um and it's worth noting that both of them uh have not just um non-white casts but in fact uh primarily asian american casts Mm -hmm. uh and so it's cool that i think that that has meant a lot to everybody who's seeing them um but maybe particularly folks who are not always seeing themselves represented in the same way in film Mm -hmm. um and it's a good reminder hopefully to all of the people in movie development and television development Mm -hmm. that jess and i are now experts on um (laughs) that people do need to see stories that are of all kinds of people. All Mm -hmm. kinds of, all of us need to see stories about all kinds of different people all around us. Mm -hmm. And uh, we want to. And so it's great when that actually happens. Yes. Yes, it is. And especially these two stories, which both, um, I have seen both and they are both amazing. So Trisha, find someone to watch it with who has Netflix. I'll just unpause my subscription. That's fine. Oh, that's the timer. The timer just went off, but that's okay. So I'll just unpause my subscription. Like it seems I've heard enough positive things about this and a couple of other things on Netflix that 
I'll, I'll spend my $9. It's not that big of a deal. Okay. Uh, and, uh, and then I will report back because the number of people, not only who have seen this movie, but who have seen it like four or five or six times or have been like, oh, I had a bad day, so I watched All the Boys I've Loved Before again. This book o- or this movie only came out like a month ago. Mm-hmm. Like, so people are watched it like six times in a month. Mm-hmm. Like, and we're, there's a lot of TV. Like, you could watch a lot of things. Yeah. So, that's it. That is to me an exceptionally impressive endorsement. Yeah, I I don't rewatch things very much except for things that are so ingrained in my brain that I can put them on as background noise, like Captain America: The First Avenger. Speaking of Marvel movies, um, mm-hmm. that's my go-to movie for like it's quiet in my house. I need sound, um, mm-hmm. but I have watched to all the boys I've loved before multiple times. Both of those times were within a 24-hour period, um, but it was multiple times. And it is a movie that I would put on again because I'm learning all the beats of it, and it can become one of those movies that is so familiar to me that it's just in my system. And I am open to that. And I will say, too, uh, as I was Googling it, trying to find Jenny Han's name. Sorry, Jenny. Uh, <laughs> now we know it. We won't forget it anymore, as is evidenced by previous episodes of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, the the director, Susan Johnson, and the writer of the screenplay, Sofia Alvarez, were also both women. And I'm a big fan of movies that are directed and written by women. So Yes. Yes. That's it. I'm sold. I'll do it. Yeah. It's happening. Absolutely. That's probably the only thing. I'm, I'm still on the subject. I'm sorry. We're failing this PT, I think. Um, I mean, it's we're probably, fine. <laughs> the only thing that um, Crazy Rich Asians, like, sort of doesn't have going for it, although it does, um, is the fact that it's written by a man and you can sort of pick up some of those things in the movie. I haven't read the book yet. I am a I'm like 12 pages in and eventually I will pick it up again to keep going because those were good 12 pages. I just had Mm -hmm. 60 other books to read. Um, But there are some things that happen in the book and it's like, okay, so when does he get called to the carpet for that? That maybe Mm -hmm. maybe a male author wouldn't have thought of. I don't Mm -hmm. know. Or maybe it's just like, you know, I'm a rich guy in Singapore. I don't have to answer to these kinds of questions but i'll never know well and actually since we're like completely over off the our buzzer now uh (laughs) you know what else actually got made into a movie recently and i think so i'm actually very glad that to all the boys i loved before got as much buzz it as it did because the guernsey literary and potato peel pie society Mm -hmm. which is a book that i loved and got made into an adaptation and went straight to netflix kind of was a little bit of a there was not a lot of buzz around that. Mm -hmm. And the film, actually, I think the film version of it took a much more romantic tilt than the book did. Both were very good. I liked the book, I think, probably a little bit better just because you have a little more time, a little more nuance, and the tone of it, I think, was a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Um, But the the film was also very good, but that's another example of a place where uh, there was romance being adapted from a book um, and again I think they enhanced the romance a little bit for the film which mm-hmm. is fine I, I I don't have a problem with that it's just something that's a little different if you're a fan of the book um, but uh, it kind of like I said it, I think it got a little bit lost uh, because it was filmed not necessarily for Netflix but once it was done Netflix won the bidding war and mm-hmm. so it, it went that way and then um, 
I think it would have maybe performed a little bit differently in theaters. But again, it's just another example of romance being adapted. Yeah, yeah. And uh, hopefully there will be plenty more. And Netflix seems to be on their game. They are really, they're going to be producing some some awesome content in the coming couple of years. And I'm looking forward to it um, just to see what happens with it. Agreed. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing us stay within our timer on the next two topics, which I think we can do. We can do it. We've because it. one of them is um, fairly brief and the other one is just a thing that I wanted to rant about for a few minutes. So uh, we'll start with the brief one. Okay. Um, which is the uh, Libro FM Kiss Club, uh, which is exciting. And I don't know and have not used Libro, but it's an audio book book service mm-hmm. similar to Audible. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you are familiar with that, then that's great. But uh, essentially, they have started what they are calling a Kiss Club, which if you are a member, every month they have great audio romance books to choose from from only three ninety nine. Mm-hmm. And now, just earlier in the podcast, knew what you were thinking. Now I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, oh, great, yeah, except what kind of books are we talking about here? <laughs> no, these actually are, like, legitimately, these are some titles that we have talked about here on the podcast. So, for example... In the month of September, Forbidden by um, Beverly Jenkins is on the list. The Soldier's Scoundrel by Cat Sebastian is on the list. These are books that you can be getting for three ninety nine. And I actually checked, um, and there are eight others uh, by Eva Lee and Julia Quinn and Jennifer Ryan and um, Candace Terry. Like these, so these are authors that are pretty well known. These are titles that are well known. Mm-hmm. I would love to see a little bit more diversity a in little. the 10 of them. Yeah. Uh, and maybe we'll get there. They're all Harper Collins titles, I think. So it seems like it's maybe a partnership with Harper Collins. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, this is month number one and it could be worse. It could be all white heterosexual couples. So it could be, this is something, uh, <laughs> and three ninety nine. I actually did check to see and forbidden right now from uh, Beverly Jenkins. If you were to buy it on audio from Amazon is 12 or $13. So there is, this is a, a deal to be had. So the way that it works is if you pay the membership fee, which is I think fourteen ninety nine for Libro, um, you get your regular, it works in the same way. I think audible does. So mm-hmm. you get your free book. And then in addition, you can be getting as many of these books as you want for four bucks, mm-hmm. which is, Pretty cheap for an audiobook. It is. And I don't know, we haven't talked that much about this, Jess. Are you an, a, an audio listener? Um, um, not very often. I listen to them um, when I'm doing a big project in my house. Like I was reorganizing my books and I actually listened to the first book in that Julia Quinn series um, because of Miss Bridgerton. It was, oh, yeah. I, it was the, the narrator was really good. So if she narrates um, the second one, it's worth listening to. Um but not very often, especially not as much as I used to. And I keep trying and then realizing that my morning and evening commute are only about 20 minutes. And that's just not enough to listen <laughs> to something ongoing. Um, but I I try every once in a while. So, hmm. Yeah. And I, I do think that's the thing, right? Like, I think if you are, I think there are people who are audiobook listeners and there are people who are maybe it's not a great fit for them for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not always a great audiobook listener either because my mind will wander. <laughs> and when I'm sitting and reading a book, it's the only thing I'm doing. But if I'm listening to a podcast or listening to music or listening to an audiobook, I'm doing something else. And so sometimes my mind wanders a little bit. But um, 
And we can say that because this is not a, an ad spot. This is just us talking about a thing. So we can both fully admit that maybe neither of us will actually use this three ninety nine deal. Yeah. But a lot of uh, other Book Riot contributors, a lot of the readers, a lot of you, especially if you're listening to this podcast, um, do listen to audiobooks. And, you know, uh, and I listen to a lot of podi- podcasts. I listen to a lot of music. But because that comes in smaller chunks, um, it's a little bit easier for me. But there's an interview with Sarah McLean on here. She writes with Avon, um, which is HarperCollins. So there's likely one of her books will pop up on here. Mm-hmm. Lindsay Sands, who we talked about earlier in um, the our, our uh, Vampires Like It Hot uh, ad spot is <laughs> on here. Um, not in this month, but she's listed as one of the authors. So I think, I don't know, I think there's some potential here. I think it's it's a pretty good price. And you don't always see the same deals for audiobooks that you do for other romance yeah and it's it's possible that if they get enough response with these 10 books that there will be more in number available in the future so if maybe they'd rotate out a different 10 books or maybe they add another 10 books um depending on how much they actually get a good response of people who want to take advantage of it an excellent point and our timer just went off. So I think we can stop there. We can stop there. And I am going FM to... Libro FM Kiss Club. Libro FM Kiss Club. And now the floor is yours, Trisha. Okay. Listen, here's the thing. I may not need a whole four minutes. I will be interested <laughs> to hear what you think about this. And I would love to hear if any of you who are listening to this podcast, I don't... If you are in publishing or if you are a writer or if you are a person who is in construction and just has a really interesting theory, if you can please explain to me why books that are holiday-focused and specifically Christmas-focused, we'll talk about other holidays too in a minute, but why do all of the Christmas romance books come out in September and October? (laughs) Like, I cannot even tell you, Jess... I've gotten so many emails from publishers in the last two weeks saying, hey, Trisha, we're just wondering if you've read such and such book about this Christmas cowboy or this Christmas baker or this happy Christmas orphan or like whatever (laughs) that is coming out next week. (laughs) And listen, I'm all about Christmas. I enjoy it very much. I will be happy to read about the Christmas baker cowboy orphan family in like even mid-November, I would read about them. <laughs> Start I get at Thanksgiving it. and just keep going. I mean, I would even be willing to read about it in November because as somebody who like talks about books, I get it. I may have to start early. I got I started getting these books in July. Mm-hmm. Like what is even happening? Like what why? <sighs> if you are a reader, are you thinking to yourself, oh my God, it's almost October 1st, and I have not started to stock up on the Christmas romances yet. <sighs> like, I just, I legitimately don't understand it. Why I don't, I don't understand. I'm, I'm going to say I don't understand either. Maybe I know that, you know, publishing does have its cycles and they want to sell things that people are buying other people for Christmas starting in September, but I would never actually buy someone a Christmas romance to give them for Christmas. So, so someone's like, <laughs> Army Elf Ranger Christmas book? Like, is someone seriously buying that the last week in September? Yes. Yes, they are, because they come out 
and therefore they buy them. I mean, you've seen the the upcoming Sarah McLean, Tessa Dare, Joanna Joanna Shoup, is it? That's another one. Um, yes, the, the Grinchy Dukes, or I can't remember uh, how the Dukes stole Christmas. I think. Yeah, <laughs> I knew it was a Grinch yeah. and a it's, Duke. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Which. Again, I'm very excited about that. However, it was like 90 degrees here today. Uh huh. What I what I just I can't <laughs> like. And and to be honest, I would read a Hanukkah book, a Solstice book, a like I would read all of the books of other winter holidays in September, partly because they are so rare. Yeah. And be like, yes, please give me all of those books. Or like but, release the release the holiday books across the year. Like stop asking for Christmas books and give me like a Rosh Hashanah book. Give me an ooh. Eid book <laughs> or an Aid book. I can mm-hmm. I can never say that right the first time. I'm yeah. so sorry. Uh, you know, like th- I don't know about yeah. Easter books, but like summer I would solstice. read an Easter book. <laughs> like I said, I have to come up with some baptism gifts. I would do it. <laughs> Fourth of July, whatever. Fourth of July. Why aren't there more Fourth of July romances? Those are perfect. Summer fireworks, literal fireworks. Oh, Actual fireworks. Actually, I, I think there probably are some Fourth of July, but I'm like picturing romance covers in my head now that have fireworks on them. <laughs> but like I said, whoever you are, if you are listening to this podcast and you can tell me why these books are coming out in September and October... Like, I just, at least wait till the Halloween candy is on clearance racks. I just, okay, apparently I can't finish this rant in four minutes because now my timer's going off. But I just, I don't know. Well, I'll tell you one thing. Please. Holiday, like, publishing is probably following the trend of the other people that are selling things. There was definitely a Christmas tree in Costco last week. Halloween started in mid-August. Like... I don't know why things are moving up so early besides, you know, I am very happy to have candy on sale for an extra month and a half because it used to not go on sale till October 1st and now it's already on Fair sale. Fair enough. Um, and but who doesn't love on sale candy? Also, Halloween romances. I've I've read two. Oh. Why? Are, I need more. I need more that are specifically about Halloween and not just like dark and scary. Yeah, let's make it a point to talk about Halloween romances sometime soon. Yes, yes, let's. Because I can think of one that starts at Halloween and has a sexy Gandalf costume. Yes, I can think of that book as well. It's Truth or Beard by Penny Reed, everybody. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, okay, and thus ends my ranting for now about for Christmas now. books that are coming out in September. It may continue eventually. (laughs) Um, Okay. Everybody in the world has been reading Butterfly Swords. We know that. However, uh, do you want to each mention one title of a book that we are reading, Jess? Sure. We can, we can, we can make the people wait. We can, we can hold off. (laughs) No, we should actually talk about other books. I mean, I know everybody sort of hates us for adding things to their TBRs, but you love us really, don't you? Don't you? It's true. You do. It's true. Um, All right, I will let you go first. Okay, so if you read last week's Kissing Books, you know that I was um, 
a little excited about football season starting because Mm. I actually don't like reading football books when it's not football season. I don't know why. Interesting. I could have made a very good transition too about that. (laughs) I don't know why. It's just like... I, it's like, it's summer. I have this football book, but it's not football season yet, so I can't read it. So, Would you like to read about a Christmas cowboy instead? <laughs> yes, absolutely. In July. In July. In July. Um, but, I mean, there are Christmas in July. Okay, moving back to my books. Sorry. So, um, the book that I finished before last week's Kissing Books was On the Line, by Liz Lincoln. It's the first book in her Milwaukee Dragons series. The second book, Swagger, um, just came out, and I am excited to read that one too because the hero of Swagger is in on the line, as as you do with football players because they're all on the same team. <laughs> and with romance novels because they're all friends. They're all friends. <laughs> Slowly, gradually, everyone finds someone to love, right? That's Aww. that's the point of a romance series. Um, and I will take it, whether it's a football team, a rock band, or a group of brothers. And it's always one of those things. <laughs> it's very regularly one of those things. <laughs> um, but anyway, On the Line has the greatest hook. Um, and I'm just going to read you the opening description that's on the blurb. Um, because when I first read this a while ago, um, and you know, it takes me a while to get to any books. Um, so is this man, A, a super hot NFL player, B, the guy you're sexting, or C, your new boss? If you're Carrie Heron, the answer is D, all of the above. First, Carrie starts exchanging seamy sex steamy text messages with a sexy single dad she meets in line at the grocery store by the way sexy single dad buys her groceries because she forgot her wallet and then tells her that he is buying super large tampons for his 12 year old daughter who just got her period oh no and she's like wait wait, wait, no 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 let's go back to that aisle and we're going to get the right thing so we all we already know that yes Oh, no. So, so it's like, I'm going to give you my phone number if you ever have any questions, a.k.a. call me because you're hot. <laughs> sure. Um, so they start texting and then all of a sudden it's like she needs a job because she's a te- she was a teacher and she got laid off. He just moved to Wisconsin and needs a nanny for his 12 year old who isn't really a nanny so much as somebody who like picks her up from like swim practice and makes sure everybody eats and that kind of thing. Um, And he, it happened, it turns out is friends with her brother and she doesn't know this. She just is talking to her brother and he's like, Oh yeah, my friend from college needs a nanny. So he puts them in contact and she walks up to the door and he opens the door and it's like, Ah, dang. Whoops. So (laughs) that's the end of the fun, flirty texting. Um, But then, of course, now they live together. So what's going to happen there? Yeah. I, so when I was reading your description of this on Kissing Books, which, side note, everybody get on board with Kissing Books, uh, I one-clicked it. Yes. Now that I'm done with Butterfly Swords, I will probably be reading 
this book. Awesome. And so I'm going to be reading Swagger next because like Liz Lincoln knows what she's doing and Marcus James just sounds like a dreamboat and I am looking forward to reading about his tight end. Um, oh, well played. <laughs> but this one was On the Line. On the Line by Liz Lincoln. Excellent. I'm very excited about it. Um, so the tone of the book that I just read is a little bit different. I realized recently, somehow, in reading Sonali Dove books, I had not read The Bollywood Bride. <laughs> and so so I've read The Bollywood Affair, which is the first book that uh, I think that's the first book she wrote. Mm-hmm. It's definitely the first book I read by her, um, which is amazing. So good. It's She writes um, very rich, well-layered, intense, great uh, books. Um, and that is also true of The Bollywood Bride. And I have a bunch of notes um, that I took when I was reading the fourth chapter of the book because uh, I wrote about how, in my notes that I'm hopefully eventually will put on Goodreads, about how that that chapter is... So she spends the first three chapters figure, t- discussing about how the heroine, who is a Bollywood actress, she's known as this ice princess. She is well-known, well-loved, very wealthy, um, but very closed off to everyone. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you can tell in the first three chapters that she has suffered significant trauma, Mm -hmm. but nobody else knows that. She's not close to anybody. And she goes home because the one person that she's, the one group of people that she's close to is her aunt, uncle, and cousin. And her cousin's getting married. And he said, I'm getting married. We have to do it in two weeks. Will you please come home? Mm -hmm. So she goes home to Chicago, uh, which is where she spent the summers. So it's as much of a home as she's ever had. And she goes there and, uh, in this one chapter, she re-encounters the only person that she's ever loved, which is her childhood best friend. Um, and they have this awful, awful, awful moment of tension where you know how much she loves him and you know how much it hurt her to leave him. Mm-hmm. And this like sort of terrible encounter happens between the two of them. And it's that moment where you're like, oh, this is the worst. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you dig back out of this, but because it's romance, you know that you will, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's that kind of moment where it's so painful to read Mm -hmm. that you think if this was any other kind of genre, I wouldn't be able to do it. But because it's romance, I know that we're eventually going to get past this. And I really want to know how someone who is as gifted as Sonali Dev is going to craft this story and craft the way around this. Mm -hmm. Um, So it is sort of a second chance romance in that, these two people 10 years before when they were 18 had some sort of a separating moment where they had to split. Mm-hmm. And this story kind of reveals itself a little bit at a time. It's all in her perspective. It's third person limited, but it's her perspective throughout. And so you know a little at a time of what happened in her life and what put her on the path that she's on. You start to learn a little bit about his life and what put him where he is and I don't know. It's just, it's very intense. Like it's a very dramatic, intense kind of a book, mm-hmm. but it is, it's exceptionally good. It's so good. Sonali Dev, I think is a, one of those writers that you can recommend for someone who thinks that they're too good for romance. Cause nobody's <laughs> too good for romance. Like that's ridiculous, mm-hmm. but, um, she's such a wonderfully gifted writer and storyteller that, um, you can sort of trick someone into the genre by <laughs> recommending uh, Sonali Dev because she writes with just such really um, fantastic depth. Mm-hmm. And it, I will say, um, in terms of content warning, there is uh, some violence in the book. 
there is um, a lot of discussion of mental illness. Mm -hmm. And so maybe don't hop into it lightly, but if you are able to kind of manage those kinds of topics, then it's, it's just so good. Mm -hmm. So again, that's The Bollywood Bride by Sonali Dev. Awesome. Awesome. So once you are finished with Butterfly Swords, you can, uh, you can read that one if it seems like a good fit. Yeah. And it's, it's so good. Also a good book to listen to if you're an audiobook listener. Um, oh, that's interesting. I didn't think of that. Although when I listened to it, I used to have a job where I, I did the same thing that was very rote for eight hours a day. So I listened to a lot of audiobooks. And I listened to this one and went home and downloaded the ebook so I could finish it mm-hmm. because I didn't listen to audiobooks outside of work. Yeah, that's yeah, that's fair. I would own this book in actually more than one copy, also, which I also do with the Bollywood Affair mm-hmm. and other Snally Dub. But like, her books are just great. So yeah, yeah, they are. Anyway, so heavy but wonderful. Mm-hmm. The Bollywood Bride by Snally Dev. Beautiful. But in the meantime, feel free to read Butterfly Swords. Mm-hmm. We'll be discussing it in a couple of weeks. Uh, and if folks have thoughts that they want to share with you about Butterfly Swords, Jess, where can they share them? You can find me on Twitter at Jess is Reading. Or if you have things that you really need to do with imagery, um, you can tag me on Instagram at Jess underscore is underscore reading. Or send me an email which will be linked in the show notes. Absolutely. Uh, and I am on Twitter as well at Trisha underscore reads. And I would love to see actually um, covers and photos of people reading Butterfly Swords. I would love to know what kind of form people are reading it in, whether it's print or ebook. Um, I've seen both of those recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, if anybody's doing audio, I would love to know that too. So you can send those to me on Instagram with the when in romance hashtag, which people are doing such a great job. I'm so proud of all of you. <laughs> uh, and you can send those to me at Trisha Haley Brown. Um, but however you want to get in touch with us, my email address is in there too. We are excited um, to talk with you more when we uh, come back in a couple of weeks. Absolutely. Anything that we left out, Jess, or are we done? I think we're done. All right. Well then, happy reading, everybody. Have a wonderful couple of weeks. Happy, happy reading. <laughs>